We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey Chargers fans, this is the Guilty as Charged podcast where we discuss all things related to the Los Angeles Chargers. We are available on all podcast platforms including Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate the positive feedback. Make sure and follow us on social media including our Patreon account where as little as $1 gains you access to cool things like jersey giveaways and film breakdowns. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Like we mentioned, Jason is no longer with us. He's getting ready for his time in the military. So joining me today is Alex. Alex, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing uh, pretty pretty good. Yeah, you bounced back okay from, from last night's uh, 76ers game? No, I'm not bounced back. Uh, it's, it's really <laughs> just awful. Well, hopefully they can uh, turn around for you. And then we do have a nice surprise for you guys today. Back with us for today's episode is Tyler... Our favorite Asian. How are you doing, Tyler? I do real good. Yeah, thanks for the Asian <laughs> poll. Uh, I'm doing great. I'm glad to be done with 10 weeks of summer courses and having a little three-week break, heading to the lake soon. So doing well. Happy to be here. Awesome. So how has your summer courses treated you? I know it's been a stressful time, but if you could give our listeners a little bit of an update for them as well. Uh, it's been good. I had to read a lot of papers, do a lot of presentations, watch a lot of presentations on all the stem cell whatnots, and I even got... Alex to help me out on one presentation. <laughs> I didn't know. I just, I was at a point where I couldn't even, my brain was just too filled. I'm like, Alex, did you do this thing once? <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, a few years ago, sure. So I appreciate the assist. And um, so far I got an A in both classes. So 
No problem well so far. Yeah. Well done. I got a Twitter DM from Tyler, and I was just like, oh, man, this man must need help. <laughs> he's coming to me. <laughs> but... Those Bolby connections, man. Hey, man, it worked. And just bouncing ideas off of you really helps. So I appreciate yeah. it. Sure. Fantastic. You know, we're happy to have Tyler back here. It's always good to to chat up with him. And, you know, thankfully we did get some Chargers news over the weekend. Um, well, I guess thankfully for us, but unfortunately for these players, obviously the Chargers had to cut it down from 86 to 80. Um, really the surprise of the cut was Andre Patton. Uh, I wasn't too surprised that Roger Teamer was cut. And then uh, obviously the double tight end cut was a little bit of a surprise as well. So Tyler, your your initial reaction to the the weekend's cuts. I was surprised by both those major, major cuts, um, but for different reasons. Surprised because I didn't think Teamer would go in the first, you know, in the, the cut to 80. I thought maybe he'd go later on the cut to 53 or something. But still, like, I completely understand. Not a surprise. Didn't really expect him to stick around anyway. My concern would be who's actually backing up Derwin James moving forward. Um, but then Patton was the big surprise. And listen, I don't watch a lot of Andre Patton film, but both you and Jason all offseason season. We're hammering in the fact that he is a good run blocker. And of course, the veteran receiver who has some, I assume, chemistry with Tyrod Taylor. And so I did not think that the Chargers who don't move on this quick would move on from Andre Patton so quickly. So that was surprising. And as far as the tight ends go, they have Donald Parham and he's 6'8 or whatever. So good enough. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I have told everyone that Andre Patton is a good blocker and he really is. And I think a lot of that. Uh, just comes from his mentality as an undrafted free agent, and I even saw him, you know, recently when I was rewatching film and and watching Trey Pipkins, I noticed quite a bunch that Andre Patton was kind of staying in and chipping defensive ends, and and so he I'm really kidding. was a good blocker, and I I assume that he could at least stay on and maybe have like a Jeremy Davis role where he's just you know used sparingly and then on special teams, but uh, I never thought that he was gonna be like this breakout wide receiver three star. I knew, you know, going going into the season that it's going to be Joe Reed. It's going to be K.J. Hill. Um, Daniel Popper even mentioned Jalen Guyton as a potential guy to look out for who uh, has that speed. You mentioned Darius Jennings on Twitter. Um, so they do have some options there. It was just definitely surprising to see, you know, the veteran in, the, in that room kind of get cut. Uh, and then, Alex, you wrote a story for Bolt Beat um, about Donald Parham kind of surviving this round of cuts. Uh, what did you make of the team electing to cut not one, but two tight ends? I mean, yeah, what I made of it was just like, if, you know, you cut Jared Rice and uh, who was the other one they cut? Oh, Valer, yeah, he yeah. tore his ACL in the preseason last year. So, um, you know, it kind of sucks that he doesn't get to show out this year in the preseason. But, um, yeah, so I, uh, I thought that it was pretty... It, it was kind of surprising, I think, for Parham to make it with two tight ends getting cut. Um, we'll see if he makes the final roster, because it's likely going to be three tight ends, and then that comes down to him and Steven Anderson. Um, so, you know, personally, I would probably lean towards Parham. Uh, I think that he could really have a nice, um, if he wants to be the kind of second re uh, receiving tight end, that kind of goes with Henry in that way, and they can use him kind of as a red zone th uh, threat. Uh, from time to time, I don't think that would be a bad idea. And you know, they need something to boost, you know, twenty third and red zone efficiency. But um, right. you know, so I, I think that Parham would be a great one. I'm curious to see if he can beat out Steven Anderson. We'll see with that how that goes at training camp. But uh, I think things are looking up for Parham. Um, 
On the patent issue, I was initially surprised by it, but the more I thought about it, it kind of made sense. Because Patton only played so much last year because Dontrell Inman, Travis Benjamin, and Jeremy Davis all went down. So he, yeah, he, he was kind of only playing because of necessity as opposed to his, his real ability. Now, I agree that he was a decent run blocker, but he did come up with some of those drops last year that were kind of killers on drives. Um, so I don't know. But yeah, so and then you do the math. It's like, well, they have Keenan and Mike, and then they draft Joe Reed and KJ Hill. And that really, at that point, you only have one spot really left open, uh, presuming they go with five receivers. So... You know, that leaves the door open for someone like Jalen Guyton, potentially the door open for someone like Jeff Cotton. Uh, so it leaves the door open for one of those guys to probably crack the team now. Yeah, for sure. It definitely is going to be interesting to see who can come up on top. I was just mostly – the surprise was really that it was Patton who got cut because you kind of assumed, you know, this Chargers coaching staff really likes to ease their rookies into – uh, into their roles. And so I, I figured that Patton would probably be the starting wide receiver three for at least a couple of weeks. Um, but it definitely makes sense. That being said, you know, this rookie class, I think it's really interesting to talk about. And, and we're going to talk, you know, over the next few weeks about our off season uh, previews and doing the AFC West preview as well. Uh, this rookie class though is really interesting. And they've got a lot of good guys. They've got some high character guys. I feel like we should temper expectations, though, for this class. What do you guys think? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think it makes sense to temper expectations, especially given how the last rookie class went. Um, <laughs> and uh, the yeah. fact that this rookie class generally has less time to prepare. Um, I think, I feel like expectations are pretty tempered when it comes to Herbert. Um, you know, I know there's some, you know, Herbert stands out there, but... Uh, I think expectations are generally tempered when they come for him because Anthony Lynn has basically already named Tyrod the starter. So right. I feel like people know that it's going to be pretty decent-sized weight for him at the very least. Um, and then Murray is probably the guy where people have the highest expectations from the jump, I think, just because he can, he can play from the get-go and has all that experience. And then... Right. Everyone else is kind of, I think, I think, you know, Joshua Kelly, it depends how he kind of battles with Justin Jackson to see, you know, how many carries each will get a game. Then down the road, you got Joe Reed and KJ Hill. Uh, well, we do kind of have a stock up on Alohi Gilman now that Teamers cut. Uh, I do think that is a bit of a stock up for him. So and then the receivers, we'll see. Um, I, I think they're going to take a little longer than people think. So I would say in general, I feel like the reaction to this class is still pretty tempered. But then again, you have like those people that are like, oh, well, KJ Hill's going to be the next <laughs> Keenan Allen. So, you know, I don't know about that, but we'll see. Yeah, I would hope people would temper expectations on KJ Hill just initially. I think it's going to take a bit. The Chargers have, well, clearly they drafted Joe Reed earlier. They've also talked about him more, and I do feel like they have more of a plan for him than they did Hill. They're just very fortunate that they got Hill. But Joe Reed, will he take... I think he'll have a decent role on offense. He'll do what Travis Benjamin tried to do and failed at, which is take the ball, run with it, and then get smashed in the backfield, go backwards, whatever. So hopefully Reed can go forward. 
What I'm curious will happen is if Lynn wants to learn from his mistake, I believe in 2018, where he had a rookie returning kicks very early on, returning punts, where J.J. Jones fumbled the ball against the Chiefs. And I don't know if that's why, let's say now you have a spot for Darius Jennings, who has a clear shot, honestly, at that fifth receiver spot or sixth, whatever we're at. Um, so I don't know if Reed isn't even going to have a return you know, ability just yet. I don't know if he's going to trust him just yet. You can't see him in the preseason. I don't know how much you can see him in training camp. So we'll see. I, I, so like, like Alex said, I guess it's kind of a wait and see, temper expectations, and maybe Reed gets a couple shots a game, but that's about it. Um, as far as the class goes, I agree with Alex. Herbert's already tempered expectations. Murray, highest expectations. Um, but my highest expectations are clearly and always for Bobby Holly. <laughs> that's, that's all I know. But Gilman's interesting. I am the lowest on him out of this class. Um, at least, I mean, not, not that it, I don't think he can do something decent on special teams. But as the backup strong safety, I mean, the Chargers really needed James, then Phillips. Then they had to go to Teamer, which didn't work. Then they had to go to Watkins. If Gilman is supposedly the backup strong safety, if you're not moving anybody else, I'm a little worried. Yeah, the depth in the in the safety room is is worrisome a little bit to me, just because you know we have no idea what Nasir Adderley is going to be. I'm I'm hopeful that he can come in and be a contributor, but we don't know that. We don't know if Desmond King is better as a safety than a nickel corner. You know, we I, when I watched Alohi Gilman's film, I felt like he should have bulked up and been a linebacker as like a safety if he were in covered situations i'm a little scared as a box safety you know if he's doing kind of what adrian phillips did on occasion where he's in the box i'm cool with that i think he is better suited for that he's a fine tackler he's got some good athleticism but yeah you know i think there's going to be a a really interesting battle for whoever the backup is and, and what kind of rotation they're going to have because like you said you know, inevitably someone in the secondary is going to get injured. You know, that's just a reality of football. So it'll just be really interesting to see who will step up into what position. And then the other news that came out, well, this was a few days ago, but we talked about this, but Tyler, you didn't really obviously get the chance to talk about the extension for Joey Bosa. Uh, So I just want to get your thoughts on the Bosa extension, how you think this fits into the long-term picture for the Chargers and just your overall thoughts about that. I think I speak for most of sane Chargers Twitter when I say I am so happy this got done because I don't have to hear it anymore about how the Chargers don't extend their own players, despite the fact that there is a bulletin board full of players they've extended. The fact that they spent this much money on that player, a guy that they were supposedly cheap towards in 2016, which maybe that's a fair thing to say. The fact that they rolled out the red carpet for him. It feels great. And the fact that they're also potentially extending, or at least talking about extending Keenan Allen, is wonderful. So just purely from a fan standpoint, I am thrilled. And as far as football goes, I'm also thrilled because the guy is top 10 pass rusher and top 10 run defender at his position. Couldn't ask for more than that. He's much better than his brother, despite what anybody (laughs) says. And except for Niners fans, they seem to think differently. But Hey, I'm happy to have him. He took on a huge leadership role last year. There were games where he single-handedly almost won them the game uh, or helped win them the game, Chicago, Tennessee. He became a leader. He showed them that he wanted to be a part of this team. And yeah. I, so I couldn't be happier. Good, great player who can only get better, I honestly believe, 
finally being able to play with Derwin James week one for the first time. And I, you know what's interesting? Do you think his, just because I didn't get the chance to talk to you guys about it, do you think his 2021 contract is lower because of the potential cap issues that might happen next year? I would think so. If you haven't seen the breakdown of Joey Bosa's contract, Daniel Popper did uh, tweet this out, but essentially it's going to increase over time. You know, the average per year is 27 per year, but it's not 27 every single year. So I believe it's right at 20 in 2021, uh, if I remember right. So I think it's very smart. It gives them some flexibility. And obviously, you know, in a pandemic, if they're losing out on, you know, 15, 20 million dollars, that definitely will will help them. Uh, be able to potentially, you know, sign Melvin Ingram back or, you know, Hunter Henry if he balls out. So I think that definitely was was intentional. The Bosa brother thing, I don't understand at all. You know, Joey has Joey himself has said that he thinks that Nick could be better than him. And, you know, honestly, we don't know because Nick was a rookie and he was kind of a rotational player. He wasn't an every down player. And it's funny to me is like there was a debate was who was better last year. But Joey had more sacks, he had more pressures, he had more tackles. And even as rookies, he was better as a rookie than Nick was. You know, of course, playing time is different, but Joey missed four games. Yeah. And he had more sacks, more tackles, more pressures, more everything. So maybe Nick gets there. I'm like you, I'm just glad I don't have to hear about the extension thing. And I'm glad that I don't hear about have to hear about Joey potentially going to San Francisco, even though it was literally never possible for the 49ers <laughs> to sign both like ever at all yep. in zero oh, no. in no football world would they have had the, the cap flexibility to sign two elite pass rushers but you know i'm glad about that as well yeah every bulpy comment was about how uh nick was gonna go play with his brother or joey was gonna go play with his brother nick and i'm like i i could that's that's why i stopped reading the comments but um <laughs> but yeah it's uh it's bad <laughs> well, maybe now the Chargers can get Nick Bosa. Maybe that's the real possibility here. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs a quarterback? <laughs> yeah. Well, the Joey Bosa contract, I think it works out for very favorably for the Chargers. And again, if the cap goes up in two years, you know, this is going to be, you know, an, another case where the Chargers have some good flexibility. And, and, you know, I'm excited about it. And obviously, keeping Joey Bosa in LA for the next six years. Uh, is going to be fantastic. So we're going to get into our main topic today, which we're going to do a preview of the first quarter of games for the Chargers. We are not going to include the Chiefs because we're going to do a whole episode dedicated to the Chiefs and hopefully uh, interview someone writing for the Chiefs as well. Uh, So today we're going to talk about the Bengals, the Panthers, the Buccaneers, and the Saints. Uh, So we're going to talk about the Bengals. Obviously, the Bengals drafted Joe Burrow, uh, they had a really good offseason, though, outside of just Joe Burrow. I think anytime you get your franchise quarterback, well, hopefully franchise quarterback, you have a good offseason. Um, but they had some good veteran pickups. DJ Reader, defensive tackle. Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander kind of shore up the secondary. They uh, signed Xavier Suafilo to you know kind of shore up the interior. They get back Jonah Williams, who was a first-round pick in 2019, uh, who did not play a single game last year towards ACL in training camp. And then their draft was really good too. They drafted T. Higgins, who, you know, I think is is kind of going to be the next AJ Green after AJ Green uh, moves on this next year. Then they drafted Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis Gaither, both of guys who Jason and I were really high on. Uh, so, Alex, what do you make of the Bengals uh, overall as a team and and how the offseason that they have had? 
Uh, I love Akeem Davis Gaither, and I wanted <laughs> I mocked him to the Chargers like a couple times. I think. Yeah. Um, but you know, then they put Kenneth Murray, and it's like, well, they I guess they don't need him. I wouldn't have been mad if they took Akeem Davis Gaither <laughs> in, the th- in the fourth right. round anyway. Um, yeah. But yeah. So I think the Bengals are much better than they've been recently. Um, I I love that they went with T Higgins. Uh, they got oh, obviously Burrow. I think the reps thing for Burrow is going to be interesting just because, you know, like Herbert and like Tua, there's been no offseason for him either, really. So it's like, we'll see how that goes, you know. And, you know, a lot of people made, com- uh, I, I saw people talking about, like, you know, is Joe Burrow going to come out and have that, like, Patrick Mahomes first game? But I think the difference between uh, him and Mahomes in that category is that Mahomes had a whole year to sit on the bench and, you know, kind of. Right. learn a lot, whereas Burrow's just getting kind of chucked into it. Um, so I think that that will be interesting to watch. Uh, how much the Bengals' defense has improved as well. Um, you know, we mentioned some of their key signings, so I'm curious to see how much better they are on that side of the ball. You know, and then, you know, they have A.J. Green returning, so that's something the Chargers probably should be concerned about, I think, relatively speaking, for that game. And... Then kind of going into the Chargers matching up against the Bengals that game, that's of course going to be the first time we see, you know, a quarterback other than Philip Rivers start with Tyrod Taylor. Um, so, you know, it, it'll be curious to see how much uh, the coaching staff can help him out that game uh, before, you know, before week one, because we basically have, what, like a month now uh, and, you know, a month of training camp and then we're kind of going straight into the first game. So... Uh, I'm curious how the Chargers play that one, but that could it, honestly these first four games could serve as a preseason in of the of their own, just because teams yeah. haven't had a chance to play. So uh, I'm curious to see how the game goes. I think the Chargers will win, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so yeah, I'm definitely excited for this one, and I'm curious to see uh, how Burrow will play. So Tyler, you actually brought up, you know, kind of the pump and the brakes of a week one victory a while ago. Um, it's just kind of, you know, in our nature as Charger fans to not expect a week one victory. Uh, <laughs> is there anything specific that you think the Bengals could do or a group that worries you uh, more so than the other ones? That's a good question. It'll depend. Well, their front seven worries me a little bit if they're using I assume Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis get there have some sort of role. I don't. I have not paid attention to anything Bengals related. I assume they have some sort of significant role along with DJ Redder. That worries me a little bit because DJ Redder, Geno Atkins. That's a that's that's a rough duo. one. That's a rough yeah. one. Obviously, they're not going to take Austin Eckler or Justin Jack whatever and run them up the middle over and over again. But if you got two good rookie linebackers, and I don't know how good they're going to be, if you have two decent rookie linebackers and a decent front seven. I don't know. I'm a little bit worried about that one where I'm a little worried is if, okay, if I were at Bolt beat and I were writing, how would you beat the Bengals? The first thing any of us would write would be disrupt the rookie quarterback, try to get after the quarterback, whatever, right? right? That's, you're you're going to write that one every time. My problem is Burrow to me. And I think I wrote this on the Google sheets or whatever. To me, he's like the Terminator. I swear every time he got hit hard, he would get back up immediately on purpose as if to say there's no way you can phase me at all. And it's just such an interesting thing watching him and being so battle-tested in college, at least that last year. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. Um, the good news is they are the Chargers are coming back 
as almost the exact same team they were or they have been the last couple of years. So I think if they can take advantage of the rookies, and at really Jonah Williams, I know he's not a rookie, but he basically is a rookie. Yeah. If you can take advantage of him, you know, you can even take advantage of T. Higgins or do something. Austin Eckler, I don't think Logan Wilson or Akeem Davis get they're going to figure out Austin Eckler in their first game. So as long as you can take care of the rookies and, you know, if Joe Burrow gets a couple of good runs in there, fine. I do think Chargers fans, I do think Chargers fans need to be patient uh, because we've watched quarterbacks. I know we're all scared about Mahomes, but A, no one is Patrick Mahomes, and B, they don't have Tyreek Hill. But if he goes out in the first two drives, he scores a touchdown and a field goal or whatever. I just think we have to calm down a little bit. The Chargers have a good way of kind of figuring it out, these rookie or new starting quarterbacks in like the second half or even like the second quarter. I know everyone's or the Broncos fans say Drew Locke shredded the Chargers. He really didn't. He did for two drives and then the rest of the game, I think he a couple yeah. field goals off of turnovers and whatever. So I think we have to be patient. If the Bengals, you know, take a 14 to 10 lead at some point, it's okay. The Chargers will figure it out, I think, but we'll see. <laughs> because like I said in my, what you're referencing earlier, the two of their biggest blown leads in team history are week one under yeah. Telesco. So yeah. I'm a little worried about that. And if I think it was 2018, if the Chargers weren't aggressive and sent Badgley out for a, a, a franchise, you know, whatever, leading field goal distance, they would have lost. Like, I know they didn't lose by three, but it changed everything about what the Bengals did. So if the Chargers didn't right. send Badgley out there to kick a 59-yard field goal to end the half, they would have lost to that worst team two years ago. So... We'll see. Um, one of the things that I wanted to mention is just that this is also going to be the first game for uh, Shane Steichen, and not a ton of people talk about him, um, just because, like, yeah. you know, when he was offensive coordinating last year, it was, you know, mainly using Ken Wisenhunt stuff, right? So yeah. um, I think this will be a, a good first test for him out the gate um, in terms of how he can play. So, yeah, it'll be yeah big first test for him. The thing that also that I'm excited about is, you know, we've – been hearing all offseason that the Chargers are going to be more aggressive on defense, right? And what better way to test that out than a rookie quarterback, basically a rookie left tackle, and an offensive line unit that was really, really bad in 2019. So I'm kind of, you know, Anthony Lynn mentioned a, a comment the other day that they might not be rolling out as many scheme changes as people are thinking, which kind of made me a little nervous. You know, I, I was really looking forward to those scheme changes. Um, you know, obviously it just kind of depends on how the, the guys really grasp the changes in the, in the limited practice uh, scenario, but the Bengals are interesting. And this, this matchup specifically to me is interesting because this is best versus best. The best thing about the Bengals easily is the wide receiver unit. You know, John Ross is their fourth best receiver and you know, he's limited, but he can at least do one thing really, really well. And the Chargers' best unit is the secondary. So the Chargers are going to have to figure it out really quick what kind of rotation they're going to have, you know, who's going to guard what kind of receiver. You know, they have A.J. Green and, and T. Higgins, who are both very similar receivers. They have T.J. Boyd out of the slot, who's very good as well. And then Joe Mixon out of the backfield as a receiver is pretty good too. So this stretch of games that we're going to talk about really is, to me, all about how this Chargers defense is going to transition into being a more aggressive unit or not. Because each of the teams we're talking about have, except for the Buccaneers, um, they have really good running backs who can do a lot of different things out of the backfield and in the run game as well. So th that leads to the Panthers. 
obviously another team in transition. You know, they switched to uh, from Ron Rivera to Matt Rule, hired Joe Brady from LSU. They got rid of Cam Newton. They brought in Teddy Bridgewater. They brought in Robbie Anderson as well. And then their draft was really focused on the defense. They got Derek Brown, Etor Grossmatos, Jeremy Chin, Troy Pride. Yeah, they went all defense. <laughs> yeah, they went all defense, and specifically Troy Pride was was sad. Yeah. Um, but what do you guys make of the Panthers? Because again, it's a year of transition in an off season where it's very limited. What are, what are we thinking of the Panthers this year? Uh, I don't know if the Panthers are going to be good, but I've loved everything they've done since like the moment yeah. the off season started. Uh, I love Matt Rule since his time at Temple. Like, he's just such a really, um, I think he's a really solid coach, and I think he's going to kind of turn that franchise kind of uh, in a better direction, uh, especially when it comes, I think, to the offense. I, I think he's got some uh, interesting uh, stuff from what I've watched of some Baylor games last year. But, um, so yeah, we'll see how that pans out. I I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to have a bounce-back year. Um I don't know if he does he qualify for like comeback player of the year or any of that. I don't know if I would say that because the Panthers are still kind of bad. But I I really like Teddy Bridgewater and I think he can be solid this year. He's got CMC um, and he's got Robbie Anderson now, which I think was a dumb move by the Jets to let him go. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And so, but I think they have a decent team and obviously yeah they invested all of the draft into the defense because they needed to because uh, that defense was. Uh, long in the tooth so yeah they needed to kind of make some adjustments there and rebuild um is that game in los angeles or carolina it's in los angeles yeah oh oh i guess it doesn't matter with the no fans thing but um (laughs) uh yeah but uh yeah i guess maybe from a travel standpoint but so yeah so i think that game will be interesting i'm curious to see oh joe brady is the other thing i'm curious to see how he his kind of second year after this whole LSU, uh, this whole LSU thing. I'm curious to see what that's like. Um, I don't know if he's gonna go with kind of a more like LSU scheme, like he, uh, you know, concocted for Burrow, or if he's gonna go kind of with more of that conservative Teddy yeah. Bridgewater type scheme, maybe a kind of hybrid between the two. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely curious to see how that goes. Yeah, that'll be interesting because Teddy Bridgewater is not like a spurted out four receivers you know, aired out high tempo quarterback. Traditionally he's been we've seen him in more of a play action type thing. Uh Tyler, what do you make of the Panthers and specifically, you know, this matchup? Obviously I think Christian McCaffrey is gonna decide the game, but uh which t- kinda terrifies me given the Chargers pass. But uh your thoughts on this matchup. It does, but they all we also have a Derwin James. Like I have an army, we have a Hulk. Like for me it's yeah. <laughs> you know I can't wait for that matchup. If Derwin James is healthy and out there, I cannot wait. Um, but for me, I don't think the Panthers improved in in two areas. Well, depends how Troy Pride does. Do you? Okay, first of all, do you project him more outside or is he more inside? You think? Because I didn't watch him. I think, I think he could do both, but I think for them, he's probably outside. Okay. Right now, so I'll talk about the first thing. Right now, they have. I watched one game today, the Seahawks and the Panthers, or yeah, Seahawks Panthers. I was just kind of curious to find an an offense that was maybe kind of like what the Chargers would be doing. I know DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are a little bit different than Keenan Allen Mike Williams, but, you know, Russell Williamson, Tyrod Taylor, no, no, some sort of similarities. Their corner, who's starting right now, and if he gets replaced by Troy Pride, fine. But right now, the guy that's starting, Dante Jackson, got absolutely torched in that game. 
gave up a 44-yard catch, a 58-yard catch, a 19-yard touchdown, another 19-yard touchdown. I don't think it was his fault, but he was in the vicinity, so I just kind of want to throw that in there. I think you can absolutely roast him. Um, The other issue being, or for them, they gave up as many sacks per game last year as the Dolphins, and they really didn't do a whole lot to to improve that. They drafted all defense. Yes, they have Russell Okung, who, by the way, I... I mean, Alex, you might know more than this than me, but how is he even going to start this season, given his medical history? I mean, obviously, it's up to him, and but that's I'm that's pretty concerning, no? But um, you give up three and a half. You, they gave up three point six sacks a game last year, and they didn't really get a whole lot better on the offensive line. So if you can attack their corners, and you can attack their offensive line, I think you're okay. They have some of the same issues I have with the Chargers. Please get an offensive line. He's getting better in the secondary. So, I don't know. We'll see. But, like you said, it really will come down to Christian McCaffrey. Can they do it? I guess we'll find out. What is is Okung's contract like? I think he has one more year. I think he's just this year. That's the challenging thing for Okung because he, you know, if maybe he had two years left on his deal, I could see him opting out of uh, this year. But having one year and going into what's, probably maybe your last your last kind of a big NFL contract that's a challenging position to be in especially with the health condition and all that um so that's a tough thing uh, unless you know the season were to get canceled or something and then contracts roll over but um you know but yeah it's a tough position to be in and that's for a lot of players you know for a lot of players who are going into the last year of their deal uncertain about how this season's going to go with the whole uh, coronavirus thing um, you know, we already saw, you know, like half the Patriots team already say, yeah, we're done. Um, but, right. yeah, so I don't know. I, I definitely think for Russell Okung and for a lot of players, and I feel for a lot of players who, um, especially like those that are more at risk, like when we talk about, um, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, like those guys are heavy guys, like, and that's, you know, people that, um, you know, get infected with coronavirus, uh, you know, they have a 40 to 50% uh, worse outcome usually when uh, when they're overweight or usually uh, obese, you know, which offensive linemen and defensive linemen generally are. So um, that's a scary thing. But yeah, I, I definitely think Russell Lacoon is going to try to grind it out unless he has some announcement in the next two days about uh, pulling out of the season. But um, yeah, so it's a challenging position to be in for everyone who's going into the last year of their deals. Yeah, the coronavirus obviously is going to be just really something that can throw a wrench into any any team season. And, you know, like if Trey Turner gets the coronavirus and has to miss a few weeks, like the Chargers are could be in big trouble, or more so if it's Brian Balaga. Like, I don't know, man. It, it's tough to think about. And and if I'm a, if I'm a big guy, and, I'm, and the size thing, obviously, but you cannot social distance if you're a lineman. Like, you're breathing <laughs> on dudes the entire yeah. game. You know, at least if you're a receiver, you can, you know, you're not always right next to the guy. So, you know, the offensive lineman and defensive lineman, like if Linval Joseph opts out, like that's scary. That's really scary to me. By the way, Um, just because I found it, Linval Joseph had 10 tackles and a sack the last time he played Carolina, which is crazy (laughs) for a nose tackle. (laughs) That is nuts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So repeat, please. Yes, please. Oh my gosh. The, 
I don't know. Obviously, the Panthers are interesting. They're in a clear transition mode. You know, Cam's gone. Craig Olson's gone. Even Luke Keekley retired. So, oh yeah, I forgot um, about that. Yeah, no. Nope. Yeah, like, we just don't know what the Panthers are going to be. And I guess in this kind of season where you don't have any preseason, like whoever their opener is, I don't even know off the top of my head. Like they they have no film to go off of. No one knows what the Panthers are going to do. Thankfully, the Chargers don't open with the Panthers because that would be uh, a little daunting to me just because you have no idea what to expect. Yeah. The only thing you know really is that McCaffrey is going to touch the ball 30 <laughs> times a game. Yeah. But in terms of scheme, like no one knows what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Honestly, Luke Keekley's retirement is like, in terms of Corona time, it's like Brett Favre's retirement at this point. It's like, <laughs> it's already that long ago. <laughs> the funniest thing about watching the NBA right now is off topic, obviously, but like, you know, when I turned on the Lakers Clippers game, I learned that Joakim Noah was on the Clippers. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <he> d- <laughs> yeah. It's just like, wait, this guy is on this team? Or like, yeah, you know, no all of them have different haircuts, and you're like, wait, who is that? Oh, yeah, guy? De'Aaron Fox coughed his hair, and it really, it really bothered me. <laughs> yeah. Jordan Clarkson has like really long cornrows, and I was like, wait, who is this guy with all the tattoos on the jazz with cornrows? Like, I don't recognize <laughs> this person. Thankfully, football players just have helmets. You don't have to worry about that. Um, so let's move on to the Buccaneers. Obviously they've been, you know, the story of the off season with Tom Brady. Thankfully he chose Tampa Bay and not LA. Uh, that was just really happy for me. Mm-hmm. Their draft was okay. I mean, they got Tristan Wirfs to shore up the offensive line. They got Antoine Winfield. They didn't really do a ton other in free agency. Obviously they traded for Gronk. I don't know. Like it, it's tough for me to look at the Buccaneers and be like, man, they really improved. Like obviously Tom Brady is not going to throw as many picks. Sure. But Tyler, what did you make? Uh, you know, what do you make of the Buccaneers in this matchup? I have to trust or at least stick to my guns when I say I didn't want Tom Brady because of his failing arm and age and whatnot. And plus the contract. So I have to stick to my guns there. And I don't think Tom Brady's going to be as good as everyone thinks, but <laughs> They're an interesting team. I will say, and we'll talk about this in a bit, that the Saints are much scarier on paper, in my opinion. Like, yes, the Buccaneers, they have to yeah, travel agreed. to play Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's a tough matchup. You know, Godwin Evans, who's may or may not be better than Keenan Allen. We'll see. But if you look, like, is their offensive line all that good? Is Werfs going to be able to hold up against Bosa and Ingram? And their corners were, I watched another game of theirs. There's a guy, Carlton Davis. Who, I mean, so look, bad. He, he went up against Julio Jones. Like I understand, it's Julio Jones, but he he outmuscled him, outphysical, <laughs> physicaled him, and I feel kind of feel bad for Davis because there was one play, and he was complaining about flags the entire game. You know, he like where's my where's the offensive pass interference? He barely touches Julio once, and he gets a defensive pass interference. <laughs> so I feel really bad for him there, but you can absolutely go after the secondary. I'm not scared of the running back, and I don't know if the offensive line's all that great. And who knows how much Brady has picked up at this point. So, I don't know. The only other thing I would consider at this point is that if players get sick during week one, they would be missing this week four game, I believe, because they have to go out for three weeks. So, I have no idea who's playing this game either. (laughs) True. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I... Well, the one Buccaneers pick that I liked in the draft was Tyler Johnson. Uh, I like him a lot. Uh, Good name. I think he's going to be awesome. That's a good name. Um, but that, even that, though, because last year Chris Godwin was in the slot, and Tyler true. Johnson's not an outside guy. He's a slot. Yeah, I mean, I don't, know if they're gonna use, yeah, I don't know if they're going to use him a ton this year. But, yeah, I, I, I like that pick from them. Um, 
But yeah, I don't know. I guess they got, you know, dilapidated Gronk is back and after a year of a, a mountain on Fox Sports Hill with CBD oils. Um, but yeah, he's back, <laughs> I guess. And um, yeah, you have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Um, I don't know. It's all To me, it all comes down, I think, to Brady and how much, you know, he declines um, in terms of throwing power and all that. The, the thing that always confused me about the Brady move from the standpoint of Bruce Arians is that Bruce Arians is like a downfield guy. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, Jameis didn't have the efficiency um, to do a lot of that um, with all the picks he was throwing. But Brady is not throwing further than like, you know, 20 yards downfield. Like, and that's different um, than I think a lot of other years for this Bruce Arians kind of offense. Um, so I don't know how it's going to go, but you know, I think they're at least a decent team and I don't know, they're probably fighting for second or third in that division. Um, if you assume kind of the Panthers are probably at the bottom and then you have the Bucks kind of fighting for second and third with Falcons, um, who I think are maybe a little underrated now, but so yeah, I, I, I kind of like the Bucks, but at the same time, that secondary gives me huge pause, um, just because I can see, man, I can see Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, or even Teddy Bridgewater just dicing that thing up, um, but, so we'll see how it goes, but, um, I guess the matchup to watch this game is how many people do they put on Gronk <laughs> with the Chargers, um, but, yeah, other than that, it's, um, it's... It's a weird game for the Chargers. It's probably too far to predict out into the season in terms of how it actually plays out. Um, yeah, But, yeah, absolutely. and who knows who the quarterback will be if Tyrod bombs out by that point or if, you know, Justin Herbert has been thrown in or uh, some, you know, aliens come down and Easton Stick is now the quarterback. I don't know. But, so, yeah, I, uh, I think that the Chargers have a good chance to win this game, maybe. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Tom Brady is, uh, yeah, well, I'm happy they didn't sign him. So absolutely. I, you know, I think honestly, this game kind of scares me more than the saints game does, especially if there's mm. going to be limited fans, because this game is going to test everything about what the chargers are doing in the off season and the off season changes that they've made, because Tom Brady the way you beat Tom Brady is you pressure him up the middle, right? And so if you're going to let Tom Brady sit back there and slice and dice you, you know, we unfortunately have seen what that looks like. And so if the Chargers are just going to sit back in the cover three, you know, I think Mike Evans is hurt most by the Tom Brady thing, but I think Chris Godwin is going to feast. And if they, you know, Tyler Johnson, I love Tyler Johnson. I think he's a great slot guy after the catch guy. So, you know, if they're just going to sit back and cover three and let Tyler Johnson and Chris Godwin you know, just, you know, slice and dice them. I think that worries me a little bit, but it worries me most because the strength of the Buccaneers, in my opinion, outside of the wide receiver position is the defensive line. You have Vita Vea, you have Indomitian Sue, Jason Pierre-Paul, and Shaq Barrett. I think that that quartet is as good of a quartet in the league. Yep. And specifically Vita Vea and Sue, it's going to be really hard for the Chargers into your offensive line to get push and make sure that Austin Eckler and Joshua Kelly and uh, Justin Jackson have running room. So if the Chargers are going to win this game, it's going to be because of Tyrod's arm. And I love Tyrod. I think he's going to have a good year. I don't know if he's going to be able to be the player this year that can carry the Chargers 
in a game like this. Mm-hmm. I understand. Yeah, I don't it's think okay. I don't think there's a, a greater discrepancy between a team's first and second level of the defense and the third level of the defense. When it yes, hundred percent. <laughs> they have like they have Levante David. Uh, they have a good linebacking group and this you know i think really good defensive line and then they just have just total shit uh in the secondary so (laughs) yeah it's it's really interesting so uh we'll move on to our last one here which is the saints somehow the saints had cap space even though they had like really a hundred thousand dollars the cap isn't real (laughs) so they signed emmanuel sanders and malcolm jenkins both of guys who i think are fantastic additions even though jenkins and sanders are a little older uh, definitely not the same kind of players that they have been. Alex, you can speak on Jenkins more so than other people because of your Eagles fanhood. But um, their draft was weird. They drafted Cesar Ruiz and then obviously let Larry Warford go. They drafted Zach Bond, who's kind of an edge slash linebacker hybrid. I don't really know how he fits in there. And then they traded like four picks for Adam Troutman, even though they have Jared Cook. So. I, I didn't love the offseason. I think Emmanuel Sanders is going to be the biggest difference there. Yeah. Um, but what do you guys make of the Saints? Their draft was terrible. I don't know what the <laughs> hell they were doing. <laughs> um, I don't care how good Zach Bond is going to be. You don't trade, like, four picks to go get him. Like, the Chargers traded, like, what, one pick, basically, to go get Kenneth Murray, and they yeah. traded three to go get Zach Bond. I don't know. They're a team that clearly needs to get younger, and they have right. like twelve picks, and then they traded yeah. all their picks for Zach Bond and Adam Troutman. So I don't understand it. I don't know. Uh, Troutman is a weird one too, just because they still have Jared Cook, who I think is really good. Um, I don't know. The Saints thing that the thing that concerns me about the Saints is where, what point in the season does Drew Brees' arm die? Uh, is it going to be like the first couple weeks? Is it going to be midway through the season? Because it's going to happen. Um, but you know, it's just a matter of when, um, you know, obviously they have a Jason's favorite football player, Michael Thomas, uh, who, you know, is going to be good for, you know, I think that's going to be a tough matchup for Casey Hayward, obviously. Uh, so we'll see how that matchup plays out. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, as you said, they added Malcolm Jenkins and kind of beefed up that secondary a little bit. So that could be a little bit challenging. Uh, I'm happy this game is being played with no fans, though. Uh, yes. Probably. Because going into the Saints, Monday Night Football in New Orleans, that is yeah. just an incredible test. You know, no matter who your quarterback is, like, they're they're just so good at that place. You know, really, like, ever since the Saints got, you know, big again after, you know, um, Katrina. But th- that whole place is just such a tough place to play in with fans. So I'm happy it's going to be, you know... Um, I guess an NBA, an NBA bubble style game where they pump in crowd noise and maybe they have fans on some screens. <laughs> I guess that's right. what it's going to be. Um, that's going to take some adjusting. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely uh, am less worried about this game. Uh, I still am worried about it from a football perspective, but from the perspective of prime time in New Orleans, I'm a, mm-hmm. a lot less worried about it than I was before. No, that's a good point. I completely forgot about the no fans thing for some reason. I wrote, oh, yeah, you know, whatever, whichever team's more passionate. Um, <laughs> but if you, don't have, if you don't have fans, that helps. This game's going to be interesting. I was worried about the Saints anyway. I just, out of curiosity, looked at the end of their season. They scored 40 points a game their last four games, which is 
not a game Tyrod Taylor wants to be a part of. Right. Even though Tyrod Taylor has a unique history with New Orleans being benched after one game and then leading the lowly Browns to a comeback victory only to lose it because they're the Browns. So we'll see. Their depth, actually, I was kind of nervous about their depth too because they have Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Kiko Alonso, Zach Bond, I don't know how good he's going to be, but Patrick Robinson, who the Chargers are familiar with. like they have, that's, their sec- that's their second string unit, um, So which is a little little worrisome. So... I think at this point, well, I also wrote pray for a Drew Brees injury, but don't do that. Um, I, I really, <laughs> but the more I think the more healthy team wins, to be honest. But the yeah. only thing, if they're going to win, I think they have to take a pick. Well, easier said than done. Take a page of what the Vikings did. The Vikings won by giving the ball to Dalvin Cook thirty-one times, and then they also were able to get after the quarterback. But they have to be able to live and die by trying to get splash plays, I think, because the Vikings would give up, you know, a Michael Thomas throw here, a Latavius Murray run here, Alvin Kamara catch there, but then they would sack Drew Brees for a bunch of yards or get some sort of turnover. And I think they have to try to at least do that because Drew Brees is going to dink and dunk. He has plenty of weapons, a good line. He's a smart quarterback and he beats up the Chargers, which is sad. But I think as long as they can get some of those splash plays, they'll be okay i'm a little bit worried about Taysom hill i don't know that because that's that's their splash play you know if they if the saints were going to win that game against the vikings it was because of Taysom hill having 125 total yards and a touchdown throwing running receiving whatever interestingly maybe this doesn't mean anything Taysom hill takes a pass and he throws it deep and it gives the saints a big gain or whatever drew Brees comes in the next drive or whatever and it just felt like Drew Brees isn't this dumb, but it felt like he had something to prove. And so he threw the ball as far as he could, down the middle, almost the same play, and it got picked off. So it's just something, I don't know. I don't know if he's just trying to prove something or what. But it was interesting because I don't know why he would ever throw that ball. So get after Drew Brees as best you can. The Chargers at least have the front seven to do it. I don't know if they have the running backs. uh, Can they do it 31 times? And I guess if you include Tyrod Taylor, you can count as 31 rushes. But... We'll see. This game has me worried. Saints are pretty good all around. And um, I really just think it comes down to health and, and who can get the most turnovers or splash plays. Yeah, health is ultimately going to be the the thing that determines every game because, like I mentioned earlier, you sure. know, the coronavirus can wreck a team in the span of a couple of days. So this game is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And as much as I like that there's no fans, like – it would be a really cool experience for these guys to go into the Superdome, right, and, yeah. and just upset the Saints. Like that's, yep. that's like a tone-setting win if they could get that done. I think even if without fans, I think that could be the case. Yeah. Uh, very similar to Tom Brady. The key is going to be: can you pressure Drew Brees or not? Yep. And you know the Saints' offensive line, I think, is top two or three in the league. You know their offensive line is as good as it gets. So. Yep. Again, if the Chargers are really really into bringing more pressure and bringing more blitzes we're gonna find out in this game if they're not then you know joey bosa probably gets one sack and that's probably it because the saints offensive line is is amazing and the stupid nfl let 31 other teams pass by before they before mike ramchak got drafted so (laughs) that blows my mind still yeah and he's i i love him man he's such a good Mm -hmm. offensive lineman so it's just crazy to me that he got 32nd in the draft. 
Anyway, so guys, any other thoughts about these four teams specifically before we wrap up today's show? No, but I I have one thing about the Chiefs because I thought we were doing the Chiefs today. <laughs> well, this is your one this is your one episode back, so you know, go, ahead, go ahead and talk about the Chiefs. <laughs> I I just have one thing to say because I'll let you guys do the rest of it, and I've already said most of what I'm going to say. Um, guess how many points Rivers gave the Chiefs in the six games he's played under Anthony Lynn how, on off of turnovers. Uh, six games. He's. I'm gonna say like 28. Alex. Uh. 45. That was closer. <laughs> 48 points. Oh, oh my right. gosh! Rivers has spotted the Chiefs 48 points. In oh six my gosh! That hurts. That doesn't. Yeah, that hurts. It yeah. really hurts. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me, especially after that four interception game in the <laughs> the Mexico, Mexico City, City one, yeah. which I have to imagine that one wasn't that bad. Most of this really? came in 2017. I think wow. it was like it was like seven. Well, the he had it like a seven. It was like seven and ten points or something like mm. that. But yeah, 48 points in six games. That's how bad it's been. So I just can Tyrod Taylor not do that? That's it. <laughs> if you took the points that they, you just take those points away. I know it doesn't work like that. But if you take those points away, maybe tack on a field goal, the Chargers would be like three and three in those games if he, they just didn't give up 48 points. Anyway, yeah. that's my little, that's my TED talk. Thank you. Yeah, yeah that's that's the one thing that I'm really excited about for Tyrod is just like the less interceptions thing. As much as I love Philip Rivers, you know. It was just a roller coaster sometimes with him where certain years he's going to be great and only throw like 10 or 11, and the next year he's going to throw 21. So it, it's, you know, it's definitely uh, bittersweet to see him move on, but at the same time it's like, okay, I don't have to wonder if this drive <laughs> is going to end in an interception in the red zone anymore. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Rivers, that pick in the Colts jersey made me vomit. Uh, honestly, <laughs> it was pretty terrible. Yeah, I was... felt good about it. I don't know. I, I liked how it looked, but it – I don't know. I guess it's just the whole history that the Chargers have with the Colts and all that, mm, and uh, yeah. the playoff games, and uh, the, all the fans booing Rivers when he walked off, and him talking shit to them in that uh, that playoff game uh, when he tore his ACL. That was that was just a really uh, fun kind of memory. And then you of course have the Darren Sproles game uh, mm-hmm. against the Colts. So I don't know. I I have a little bit of a I don't know maybe a personal vendetta against the Colts, <laughs> but um, yeah. So. Yeah. I definitely think uh, I hope Rivers does play well there. Even though I I don't know if I think he will. Um, I don't know if I think that he will. But I hope that he plays well there. It would be really fun to see him kind of have a bounce back year. Yeah, that's another one that you know what the Colts have done over the past couple of years has very has been very anti Philip Rivers in terms of offensive game plan. Mm-hmm. I know that the coaches were in in San Diego with him, but you know, they've kind of pivoted into a whole other direction of ball control, game control, run the ball, have a dominant offensive line, and that's definitely not what Philip Rivers is used to. Um, the Chiefs thing, man, I mean, we're going to get into this. We're going to do a whole episode on the Chiefs, but, you know, everyone is talking about how do you stop the Chiefs? How do you stop the Chiefs? The Chargers have done better than anyone else in the league yep, at stopping right. the, Char- the Chiefs' offense. So this is going to be a game, again, I don't think they're going to blitz a whole lot. I think they're going to go back to the same old cover three because that's what has worked against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Yep. Right. That Mexico City, you know, just and to kind of reiterate the point of how close they usually keep it against the Chiefs, like Philip Rivers threw four interceptions and they lost by seven points. Like, right. you know, that's uh, just kind of like a crazy statistic. Like the fact that Philip Rivers threw four interceptions and they still had a chance at the end of the game. 
um, is just kind of insane. And it was the same way with the, the uh, similar way with the Raiders game uh, right before it as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I definitely, yeah, that's one of the reasons I am excited for Tyrod personally is he doesn't turn over the ball as much, uh, even if he's not going to make those, you know, um, big throws that Rivers did. He's also not going to make those big mistakes. Uh, and I think Philip Rivers last year was making big mistakes more than he was making big plays, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so I'm, that's one of the things that definitely excites me about Tyrod. Yeah. So we'll kind of, we'll end on this one with Tyler here. Uh, you know, we talked a lot before you kind of took this hiatus about what to expect for the Chargers this year, how excited we were. If the coronavirus doesn't destroy the season, right. what are you expecting out of this Chargers team in 2020? 10 wins and a playoff appearance. I already bet on that anyway. So I, owe, <laughs> I owe Jason Reed a hundred bucks if I'm wrong. So a hundred bucks, man. Yeah. Oh, I'm not gonna do some lame bet. Come on, I'm gonna do a hundred bucks. That's true. You do. But I do have some clauses. Like if Tyrod Taylor, Durbin James, or Joey Bosa don't play more than eight games, then it, the the bet is null and void. Does he know that? <laughs> he suggested it. Oh, okay. I was... He suggested it. Oh, okay. I was gonna say. Like... That's right. You don't bet with a Chinese guy, man. I got all that stuff. In the... No, yes. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, and I, I think they'll do just fine this year. I don't think their schedule, after you get through some games, is really all that bad. Because after this, after the Saints game, you guys will talk about their schedule, I'm sure. It's way easy. The Jets will have four players and Adam Gaze playing. And it just gets a lot easier. And then it's the Dolphins and Jaguars. I mean, come on. So yeah. as long as they can get it together, I am used to the Chargers not doing so great in the first four games. Or the first, really the first, yeah, first month. So... You know, go two and two and see what happens. I think because they're retaining so many people that they can do something okay, which is make the playoffs, and we'll see who they get matched up with. And, and we'll see. That's it. That's all I know. I really th- I expect everything to be derailed, though. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not how I wanted to end, but... <laughs> 16-0 Super Bowl! That's what I meant! Woohoo! I'm never going back on this podcast anyway, and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there we go. That, I like that optimism, optimism a lot more. All right, cool. Um, yeah, man, it, it was a great time having you back today. We, you know, for sure. We, we missed talking to you every single week, and you know, obviously we're rooting for your success in this program and, and wish you and your your happy family nothing but the best, dude. Yeah, appreciate it. Same to you guys, all that you're doing. I know you guys are all working, going to school or not going to school and looking for opportunities. So best of luck to you. Hope your families stay safe. Hey, Brian, if you're still listening to this, can you follow me back on Twitter? Thanks. <laughs> you unfollowed me. I don't know why. Oh, man. <laughs> Casual okay. call out. Um, but yeah, you know, obviously the well wishes go towards all of our listeners. We've been very appreciative of the support throughout this crazy summer that has overtaken this planet and uh you know we yep. definitely are are very grateful for all the support especially on patreon you know it definitely is uh not taken for granted over here because you know times are tough right now and uh you know thankfully you guys have stuck it out with us so that'll do it for this episode make sure you follow us on social media especially alex we got to get the, that follower count up uh alex at alex lansdorf right mm-hmm yeah, so definitely make sure you guys follow him. Follow the podcast at GC Podcast 17. Leave us a rating or a view. That'll do it for this episode. We'll see you next time. Peace. Bye. This is the story of the one. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.